passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our WrestleMania Saturday post show. I am John Pollock, joined as always by Mr. Wei Ting. We are minutes removed from the first night of WrestleMania that, in fact, featured the last match, I guess, question mark, involving Stone Cold Steve Austin. The bell rang. If that was the prop bet, it did ring. You got to finish. And Steve Austin wrestled at the age of 57. How are you doing, Mr. Ting? I'm doing very well, John. Um, I'm buzzing off that show. Just minutes removed. It, there was a lot, a lot to talk about on this show, a ton of news coming out of this show, and uh, we will get into all of it. Um, th- this day, though, was, it feels like a week since we last spoke on on Friday night. I really felt this on Saturday from the time I woke up. There was so much to watch, and I was like scheduling myself to try and get through all of it. I was in a blur in the middle of the day. There is a lot of wrestling. Yeah. Um, like when, you know, how long does that NXT show feel like it was? So you could convince me that was like three days ago and it was this afternoon. I, I watched it right before the show, like wow. before WrestleMania. So for me, it just feels like kind of one long event, but, um, it, 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 it there was a lot that happened. I mean, to me, Ring of Honor felt like it was, you know, forever ago. <laughs> Yes, I watched that this morning, and then I watched NXT in the afternoon, and then I watched this, and and there was other stuff in there as well. Yeah. Uh, before we get into uh, the show review, and thanks to everybody that is joining us here on the YouTube channel, uh, we we greatly appreciate you subscribing to the channel and uh, circulating it. Obviously, this is uh, our biggest weekend of the year. There is a ton of coverage up at the site at postwrestling.com. I do want to uh, take a minute to thank uh, all of our contributors uh, this weekend helping us out. Uh, Brayden Davey, of course, have their show up from uh, Stand and Deliver that is up on the Up Next feed. Uh, John who was uh, invaluable, uh, especially tonight, as well. John Pine, who has been doing reports and joined Way for a bonus show going through Spring Break Part 2, which I listened Spring- to. As- you, you did. Okay. Did you make it to the clusterfuck review? I, I, I got through all of it. I cannot say there was any part of me that uh, that wished I was reviewing that show with, with you. Um, but I, I needed to get out today, and that was my uh, my listening as I, as I went for a walk. Um, but uh, as well, Bruce Lord, who I, I want to thank as well. So uh, a lot of uh, help this weekend on the site. It, it, it's been a lot. Like, I'm I'm pretty run down from, from this, but um, certainly a ton to talk about, though. So I'm uh, I, I have a lot of uh, energy. The wrestling industry is alive and healthy. There are just infinite amounts of shows and I think an infinite amount of interest, I would say, from from the audience. It seems like everything getting a good deal of buzz surrounding it. So, again, if you want some complete show reports, you can either listen to our podcast, some available on this feed, most of them available on our Patreon feed, postwrestlingcafe.com. Or go to postwrestling.com and read a lot of the reports from our wonderful team of contributors this weekend. 
That is right. So um, you can catch up on all of those shows. Uh, our bonus shows are up at postwrestlingcafe.com. We've uh, put out several bonus shows already. We had a show on Thursday night covering uh, Bloodsport as well as Spring Break Part 1. We had another one on Friday going through the Hall of Fame, SmackDown. And then today, uh, I put out a show solo going through Supercard of Honor, which, wait, it's one thing to talk to yourself. It's also another to be looking at yourself um, for 45 minutes. That was a, that was a trip. Um, but anyway, that is up uh, covering Supercard of Honor. That was a very newsworthy show and the aforementioned show that John Pine and Wade did on Spring Break Part 2. And then we'll do this all again tomorrow night right here on the YouTube channel after WrestleMania Sunday. I By the end of this show, I there was part of me that I cannot believe that we're doing this all again in 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, get used to it. This this is the rest of our lives. Well, it's going to be a two night WrestleManias forever. They confirmed it tonight that next year at SoFi Stadium, April first and second, two night event uh, for WrestleMania. So there will be no questions about that. And I I would concur. I think that this is probably uh, where we are moving forward, where WrestleMania is now. And I can understand it. I I will take this format over. Those those marathon fests, many of which we attended live, and it just got to be way, way too much of what you they would try to cram too much in. And even tonight, uh, we saw, you know, a match get cut uh, Mm -hmm. on on the main show. So uh, all of that to come. It's better for the audience. Um, It's well, I would say better on a one night basis for the audience, but certainly it is better for the company because their bottom line, I mean, is essentially doubled on these nights by doubling their their output. So uh and and I'm sure, I'm sure Peacock is happy about it too. How do you feel then we'll get to the the review itself about kind of the more condensed schedule this week for WWE in terms of putting everything into more of a it's pretty much 3 days when we're talking about uh SmackDown and the Hall of Fame. Like last year they spread out things. We had two nights of NXT, but those were earlier in the week. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they had the Hall of Fame. They had two Hall of Fame ceremonies. And then we had SmackDown, and then we had the two-night WrestleMania. It was more of a week of events versus this is all kind of condensed, and we got WrestleMania and NXT all in the same day. That That is right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think so much of that is just because, I mean, where do you put NXT? You know, if not, on, like, where else can you possibly fit it? Like, you could do Wednesday, but I mean, coming right off of... Does, sorry, you could do it Wednesday or Thursday, but to me, it doesn't feel like it's as special nor as part of the week. I think having it kick off like with SmackDown in town leading into the Hall of Fame, I, I actually enjoyed it. it. Makes, you know, lifts the profile of SmackDown, gives people a bigger reason to attend that show that, that are there live. Uh, NXT at this point really is just developmental. And, you know, can you devote a whole night to uh, what is essentially a developmental show? Um, maybe we'll give some of our thoughts on, on, on that particular show, uh, tomorrow, but I, I hardly think that it's like, I think an afternoon slot makes sense for it at this point. Yes. And uh, the other thing, we will be going to calls at, at the end. If you are a double-double ice cap or espresso member at postwrestlingcafe.com, uh, you will have the ability to call in after our review. We're also taking your super chats. If you're watching us live on youtube.com slash postwrestling, if you guys have any thoughts or comments that you want to uh, get onto the show, we will get to those as well at the end of our review. So, Way, if you were putting out uh, a newspaper tomorrow, what's your headline for WrestleMania? Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestles in the WrestleMania main event. Okay. That's probably the biggest thing coming out of uh, 
of this show. There was a, there was a lot um, in terms of uh, where you could go, but I think that is going to be the, um, the the major takeaway from tonight's show. And it was interesting, just in terms of the promotion of it, that I'm sure many people will say, "Well, why didn't they promote it as a match?" I think that was smart in the sense that. You didn't build up people's expectations that announcing a match may have done. And like, we'll get into it with, with Steve Austin. Like I can imagine, like there was a lot of pressure on him to deliver. And this guy is 57 and mm. there, there's a lot of realities w- with that. And I think if we had had four weeks to envision a Steve Austin match, I mean, instead it was, I think people going into this, what kind of segment are we going to get? What kind of physicality and let's over deliver and under promise. That seemed to be the thinking. No, it's it's very true. I mean, personally, I did question because we didn't know the extent of, I think, the physicality, right? You know, it could have been as little as, hey, like, KO show is done. Uh, he does a few punches and then delivers a stunner. We get some beers. They could have gotten away with that. Um, but and, and, and probably would have moved more tickets, I think, with 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 a match being promised. Um, I, I think absolutely. that would have made made a little bit of a difference. Maybe not to the extent of selling like ten thousand more tickets, but I think if you had a ma- like a full program and match, but I I do think it it would have been uh, a lot, you know, on of him and higher I, I, expectations. And yes. I'm sure Austin was kind of controlling the reins of uh, of this. Like it was, you know, what what he would would want. Yeah, it's very true. You know, um, I feel like the last time we had something similar happen was when they advertised Bret Hart's return versus Vince McMahon. And I think we all would choose to not necessarily, I mean, it was like fun to see Bret kind of make the entrance and do all of that in, in, in the build up to it. But I think most of us would prefer if perhaps, you know, we don't consider that as part of the Bret Hart um, legacy of matches, not to say tonight's Stone Cold Steve Austin match, like, you know, it should be included in the best of Stone Cold Steve Austin matches catalog. But um, it was a t- it was like a significant moment. It was like the crowd loved it. But it was yeah. like, yeah, he, he's, he's 57. Like it's it, those are the realities of what we're watching. To have it be a bonus rather than something that I'm, I feel like I'm actively paying a ticket to go and see, uh, definitely kind of decreases the expectations and lets them get away with a lot, a lot more. Yes, I am sure Shawn Michaels wished he had booked the spot on the Kevin Owens show in Saudi Arabia in 2018. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, I wonder. Actually, wait, uh, Kevin Owens uh, wasn't going to that show, so uh, he would have had to find another interview. Well, okay, another – I mean, but seriously, though, if Sean did not make a return to Saudi Arabia, could this have been Sean's spot? And would he have taken it? Um, Now? I guess it would – I – it's hard to say. Obviously, there was enough in 2018, and it was, you know, certain people he was working with that probably, you know, convinced him enough that he wanted to do this, but obviously had had – no desire to pursue it after that. So um, he, he was at least open to it at that point in 2018, but it was also the right people. I, I, you know, look at, look at all the other options. Like they never did a Danielson match. It was like, there were plenty of options for Sean that never materialized. Uh, but that one, I think with Taker, with Kane and Hunter, um, he decided, Hey, let, let's go for it. And probably, probably was paid pretty handsomely too. Yeah. I'll bet. So let's get into this show. Uh, we go back. Uh, the kickoff was pretty much the panel outside of Kayla Braxton, Booker T, JBL, Peter Rosenberg, Kevin Patrick was involved. Jerry Lawler came during the second hour. Dude, this guy is like the real, like, Madcap Moss. 
these, jo- uh, these jokes were a bit were, funnier than Mad Cat Moss. Come on. I don't know. Um, the, these jokes were just, uh, they were terrible. And I guess by design, they're terrible, but they're still terrible. So, well, you know, what's interesting I found about Jerry Lawler on the kickoff is that like he was going full heel, you know, cheering for the heels, making cases for the heels, including like he was siding with Logan Paul and, and the Miz here. And didn't they have a segment where like they were directly opposed on Raw? Uh, that's right. Yeah. Well. He's uh, for the sake of the segment, they needed the heel. So he he was the heel here. Um, We had interviews with Maria Menounos, um, TikTok influencer Josh Richards, a native of Toronto, was uh, on the panel and met with chance of who are you? Booed like crazy, this poor guy. Yeah, he's only 18 years old. And apparently um, uh, an executive at at Triller. He's the chief strategy officer. I think he's 20. Uh, I looked this up. He's, He's actually younger than Julia Hart. Oh wow! Yes. Well, good for him. Yes, he uh, he said he grew up. Uh, he liked copying uh, Brock Lesnar's finisher. Do you know how old he was when Brock Lesnar debuted on the main roster? Minus two. He was seven weeks old. <laughs> seven weeks. Great. Uh, we had uh, Jackie Redmond stationed inside. Uh, there was this great moment where she interviewed this girl who was dressed up like Rhea Ripley. That was like a re- really cool spot, and then she yeah. got to do the big stomp to send them back to uh, to the desk. And yeah, that was, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Um, maybe the best part was Madcap Moss appearing and the graphic reads Andrew, the giant battle Royal winner. Mm. I'm guessing there's a, uh, there's autocorrect, uh, even back in the, uh, WWE Chiron station or they're, and they're honoring someone else now. This, this mysterious Andrew, the, Andrew giant. the giant. Uh, and then Booker was just having fun here. Just tell me, do another joke. Do another one. And he's just loving these jokes and just kept going until Moss ran out of them. And uh, that that was your two-hour uh, pre-show. I'm not complaining, though. It was like, this is total skippable content, and you don't need to watch it. And they're also not um, putting matches on here that make you uh, need it. I guess the New Day maybe would have preferred if they put a match or two on this. but Well, I only complain because I... I actually sat down to watch it. I did know, too. So I did too. I'm not saying my like, time was wasted, but that, no, but uh, this to me, it's like, it, it, this is part of the job. Like you, we've got to watch yeah. it if anything newsworthy happens, but it was also, yeah. um, just, it was what it was. It's totally fine. You're right. It is fine. Uh, you do not to have though, to watch tomorrow. I, I, I am fine to just throw this on in the background I'll, somewhere. I'll watch it at two times or three times the speed. It's fine. To me, the most significant thing was, was Jake Paul. He made an appearance on the panel. Right, right, right. The guy I found, I mean, of course he, I mean, he's a huge draw in combat sports and he really is as he, much he of a natural. Should, he should be doing this if he's interested in it. I, th- I thought he came off mm-hmm. like a great heel. He got the whole crowd like booing him. He, I thought he, he did a good promo here on the desk with all yeah. of them, even as Booker was trying to like trip him up and like confuse him about the Miz saying bad things about Cleveland, but your brother's teaming with him. It's like Jake Paul's got no clue about any of this. Um, Anyway, no, I, I think Jake Paul, if he's interested in, in doing something, um, but he, he didn't get involved at all on, on the show, even though he said he was going to get into the ring. Oh, he's making a lot more money, I think, you know, doing what he's doing right now than he probably would even with a, a WWE, any sort of deal. But the option, of course, is there for him. Um, and I'm sure maybe part of him caught the bug watching his brother do it. He also needs like the right opponents in in boxing. Like that last Tyron mm-hmm. Ripley fight did not do a big big number at all so it, it would be interesting to see if he's looking at this as something that um you know kind of you know get, gets his name b- back out there because it's it's kind of you know slid after that that tyron woodley fight this dude though akbar the american ninja warrior commentator did you hear him yes 
He was fantastic, dude. He was very good, very good. Oh man, I believe I believe he, apparently he was on the Sand Deliver uh, panel. He, as well. he did the uh, he did the preview show. He did a segment just like this with Sam Roberts and Beth Phoenix and Mackenzie Mitchell. He was great. Like I knew his shit. It was clever. Like, um, I mean, I don't know. I, this felt like an audition, but like he well, he definitely book, passed. Booker was very aware of this. Booker asked, "Are you uh-huh. after my job here?" Yeah, he was great. The pay-per-view itself, the premium live event, kicked off with Brantley Gilbert performing America the Beautiful. And then we got our opening video package with Mark Wahlberg introducing us to WrestleMania. Marky Mark. Yes. Got a bunch of classic WrestleMania clips. And then the the show began with Michael Cole promoting that we have over 70,000 here in attendance. I was like, you know, by WWE standards, that's like a modest Inflation. Um, WrestleTix this morning had it at around just over, uh, right around 64,000. And, um, Brandon Thurston, he also noted that does not include sweet numbers. So, uh, we will get the real number at some point. They announced over 77,000. So I'm sure it's, uh, the usual WWE pad in in there. So, uh, we, we will see what the real number is. Was it, was it a pad that you were expecting or, or did you find it egregious? Did you like, how do you feel about the pad? I mean, if the real number is right around 64, 65,000 and they inflated it to 77, that's in line with a normal WWE pad. What was interesting with this one is just that you have the precedent of announcing 101,000 or whatever it was the last time you were here. And if they mm. felt the need to just be crazy and, and announce it as such, and they didn't go that high. So I, I was expecting like the most exaggerated one in history. This was like normal exaggeration for WWE. I'm assuming like in their minds, like ultimately these numbers are going to come out, you know, in their shareholders meetings and they're going to have to somehow justify it, you know, because last time didn't they say, oh, it's all the people in the back. You know, it's like um, that, that's what Vince said ushers. about the, the AT&T Stadium one. He said like that wasn't a paid number. That's like uh, vendors and uh, ticket takers and all that. There's stuff. no way you can make the jump from 60 to 100. But but the other thing is that. The, the ones who report on this, like, really report on this stuff, it's like they, they know not to run with this kind of fake number. And mm-hmm. the ones who do, I, I, I don't imagine they're going to go when the KPI comes out in July and they'll, right. they'll go back. So it's like it's they, they really don't get called on the carpet for this stuff other than, like, the media that's actually covering this stuff, like, in detail. We started the show off with what other way could you start the show other than uh, the Dallas Cowboy Girls coming out to Thunderstruck? Uh, no, no other way. I just wanted Vince Cam in the back as he was probably just, you know, grooving to this. <laughs> you got ACDC roaring. You've got uh, Kid Rock all over this show. We had Metallica. We had, we had Pitbull. You know, we had all, we had all the oh, wrestling we classics. Had, we had all the classics. Me? Downstate even worked their way into there. <laughs> there you go. What, what, all the music represented here. God, you know? talk <laughs> about a Spotify playlist that would just, uh, <laughs> I would throw into a lake. Uh, what do you think about the set this year? It looked nice. Um you know, looked looked big, looked spectacular. I liked like the mm-hmm. long, like the like the kind of uh, angled screen that they had. I thought yeah. I thought it looked like a really nice set. Did you watch the um the set reveal? The dude, perfect. Yeah, uh, th- that was kind of cool with the, with the cool. football throw. I wonder how many takes that was. I- I'd love to know those guys, like how many how many takes they do. I mean, um, it's impressive either way. You, oh, like, it's it would, it would typically, dude, dude. I could never do do that in a million years. So you give me like a million tries, I, I would get zero of those in like that. So I thought it was cool. Yeah. I thought it was like was that's cool. a that's a great like YouTube uh, video to put out there. Mm-hmm. 
The Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs for the SmackDown tag title. I'm sorry. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs presented by Mike's Hard Lemonade uh, for their half tea, half lemonade campaign. And they came out uh, donning the yellow and orange color scheme of the campaign. Yeah, the amps had the logos, the LED screens had the logos, and there's also now the addition of LED screens around the barricades outside the ring as well. And I, I thought this was significant, John, because, I mean, for years, we know that Vince McMahon does not like to have logos of companies represented on his on-screen in-ring product, at least. And, you know, this was an LED screen that pretty much, like, you know, had the logo disappear during the match when it started. But nonetheless, I think it sets a different precedent it's, for what advertising opportunities It's might a huge entail. step. Like, given – like, think about the history of WWE and not just, like, the big years, but, like, the lean years when mm-hmm. that was, like, having a clean canvas that was always an aesthetic that Vince McMahon subscribed to. And think of the advertising opportunities that – they did not decide to capitalize on for that distinct look that they that they wanted. So. Yeah, yeah. So we we look to see if in the future it means you know um, more wrestling acts will take part in adventures either in Toyota Tundras or meeting with a uh, harder farmers. Is that the dude's name? Harder uh, farmer. I'm not sure. He was ringside. Yeah, well. th- this is kind of similar to like UFC has kind of updated like the, the, the octagon look, adding like LED screens on like the, the perimeter uh, as well. Mm. So kind of following suit in, in that sense. So, uh, this match had uh, an unfortunate uh, situation in the midst where uh, Rick Boogs was lifting up both Usos onto his shoulders and it looked like his knee just gave out. And what was odd was that he had done that storyline on TV where they went after his knee and then he showed up pretending to have the knee injury and then he was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, the knee gives out and this is, this is a legitimate injury. He rolls out to the floor. He never returns. Nakamura's got to finish this and ends up being hit with a, one uh, D by, uh, and Jay gets the pinfall at six minutes and 53 seconds. Um, Dave Meltzer would report on the nature of the injury and then WWE, um, Michael Cole and Pat McAfee noted later in the show that it appears he tore his quad and is going to need surgery on his patella. So, um, that, that's going to be some, we don't know a timetable yet, but obviously surgery that, that's going to be, uh, significant. Very unfortunate here for Rick Boogs get, getting hurt. Very unfortunate for him, you know, in his first WrestleMania. Uh, unfortunate for all four of them. Um, you know, torn quads are unfortunately something that we've, like wrestling fans would kind of know or, or hear a lot about. And it's, it's a, I don't want to say common occurrence, but it, it's not the first time that it's happening. We kind of have a, at least a rough time frame of like when we might expect somebody. So unfortunate that it happened here. I will say if there is any silver lining, it's that this, we love comeback stories and, you know, um, seeing him uh, have such a big moment taken away from him, I think is is a good way to potentially build to a big return for Rick Boogs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate all around, obviously, first and foremost for Boogs. I think also for Nakamura, that's that's really tough for for him, like losing Rick Boogs as as part of his act. I have to imagine like he'll still probably well like it depends how how much can he travel you know with 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 impending yeah surgery and and recovery and all that but most of the gimmick throughout their run has been just him being a manager playing guitar so and because now they have all so many obligations to do with like the 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 hard lemonade <laughs> stuff yeah. like I have to imagine he'll still be involved somehow and you know another huge part of the act though is Pat McAfee that he does still have for that entrance. 
Uh, so anyway, we wish the best to, uh, to Rick Boogs. Uh, that's a tough injury and on a, on a very big uh, platform. Happy Corbin with Madcap Moss against Drew McIntyre was second. Um, I've got to say, this was a match that I don't think anybody was looking forward to in, in any sense. I thought, though, that for the time that they had, it was it did not overstay its welcome. I thought uh, both worked hard, in particular Drew, who you see, like, did not just treat this as, like, this some throwaway match on WrestleMania. Like, they they treated this as, like, hey, this is this is a big, big match for us. And they kind of went... As, as much as you can say, I don't want to like overpraise this, but they, they tried to have like a, you know, perfectly respectable match and they, I think they succeeded in that. Uh, Drew ran into a deep six. He avoided a choke slam. Um, does the countdown and the crowd is, is yelling, but Corbin rolls to the floor and Drew hits a huge Topicon hero onto both men and grabs Moss with a belly to belly overhead suplex. And oh my goodness, I just, I watch this now and I'm just like, I tense up and man on the pre-show, when they were uh, mm. promoting the tag match, the New Day match, just out of nowhere, they decide to throw in the Big E neck injury. I do not want to see that clip on TV again. Like, mm. just, it's, here's a program that it was our expendable match, and yet we feel the need that we, we've got to utilize uh, this clip. And it's, man, especially when you don't know it's coming, and I just see this dude get dropped right on his head. Uh, mm. I, I just, I do not want to see that clip again. I agree uh, completely. You know, they, I think they know, yes, like, you know, like getting revenge for Biggie is a part of this story. But I think knowing the severity, the realized severity of the injury, they could get away with it by simply showing the aftermath of him being stretchered out or at least freeze framing the point of impact like they would typically do. You know, like they do that um, all the time. Like no one needs to see the point of contact. And it's just. Man, I just don't want to see that clip. It just makes me feel uneasy. And, and I mean, I have no doubt that Big E, you know, probably, I, I would hope, you know, was fine with it. But it, it, it makes Kofi me Kofi personally... was on, um, someone tweeted me the fact that when Kofi was on Pat McAfee's show, he says he he has not seen that clip. He does not want oh. to see it. Yeah, it just makes us feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't think anyone, like, performers would want to see that. So it's mm -hmm. like, and it comes at you, like, without any warning on, on the show. It's like, mm -hmm. I just totally, like, do your stills. You can, you can still tell the story without showing, uh, the point of impact. But anyway, uh, hit a safe, uh, overhead belly to belly here on, on Moss and then misses with the Claymore and Corbin hits end of days. Drew kicks out huge pop, very protective finisher in wwe for what you want to say about corbin this uh cole said to his knowledge the first time anyone is kicked out of end of days and i don't have any example that comes to mind of them having a kick out on the spot i'm not tracking all the end end of days ends of days that have ever been applied so i will take their word for, for it uh yeah made made this match at least you know have some sort of historical significance and then hits the future shock Comes back, countdown Claymore, and wins in 8 minutes and 39 seconds. And in the highlight, takes Angela as Moss is on the apron. And he swings the sword and slices the top two ropes. It which, made like a big thunder, thundering oh sound God, too. This so was, uh, this was I don't something. know if like ropes, uh, like the like a, I don't know, like the ropes make that noise. I'm not sure, but these are some, this is some special solar, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it's a cool stunt, you know, like a big visual spectacle. Like, at least it gives you some visual memory of this match, because otherwise I have to say it was not that memorable at all. But that's not to say it wasn't successful, because this was, even though to me it was like a pretty basic match that you would probably have had on TV or, or a B pay-per-view, like, this crowd got into it. They got into to Cor uh, Corbin's stuff. They they got into Drew's stuff as a babyface that they wanted to beat 
see Cor- uh, see beat up Corbin. So yeah, successful. This was certainly to me above a Baron Corbin match, and I thought I thought I thought both were, were, worked hard in this. Right guy goes over. It's like th- this was a keep busy program from Drew McIntyre. He can move on from this, and I would say like it had low expectations, and it certainly to me exceeded them. Ray and Dominic versus The Miz and Logan Paul. Uh, we got the outfits for the Mysterios. Ray comes out and he's all decked out with the colors of the Mexican flag, and Dominic. Uh, Paying homage to Los Gringos Locos here. That is correct. What yeah. an outfit here. He had the mullet and he had like the, the red, white, and blue attire. I think he's slowly transforming to Eddie Guerrero circa 1994. And I'm all, all here for it. You know, um, I, I yeah. thought honestly, the, the Dominic looked really good in this match too. I, I thought like yeah. he had, he had one sequence where it was like, it was, it was very good. I think he's incredibly consistent. You know, he probably doesn't get enough credit for that. But like to me, like the guy, the guy for his level of experience, like never messes up. He's always given a whole lot. And uh, to me, like pulls almost everything off. And is this has he did he do WrestleMania last year? You remember? Um, I think so. I think he was on last year's show. OK, well, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have no doubt this is still, you know, a big moment and a big spot for him. And the guy looked very comfortable. But then Miz and Logan come out in their matching yellow and black attire. And Logan Paul is wearing, and please correct me if I am wrong, a one-of-one Pikachu card that is deemed the most expensive Pokemon card in the world. A Pikachu Illustrator. Now, is it a one-of-one? I'm I'm not sure. Did they say that? That's what they called it. That's what they called it. Really? Wow. Okay. Well, I looked this up, and um, I saw that it... Recently auctioned for $900,000. So for any sort of collectible trading card or game playing card to cost that, that much is way beyond me. Uh, is there a magic card that's worth this much, John? No, gest- no. Jester's uh, cap worth this much? The, the Black Lotus was kind of that, that, that big card, but that, that was like several hundred, as I recall, in like 1998. Ooh. So the man had this like rat worn on his neck encrusted in like a like I'm sure a diamond studded carrying case. It was completely ridiculous and completely perfect for, I think the type of heel Logan Paul is. Yeah. Do you think this was the legit card or do you, do you think he's, he's, he should, uh, I could see this being the legit card, you know, like I'm, I'm sure if he lost it, it's like, I don't think it would ruin his life whatsoever. It was like Kurt with like the gold medal. He eventually just wore, you know, the replicas. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. So Logan gets tagged in and he's attacking Ray's ribs. Um, dude, Logan Paul looked, looked really comfortable in there. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be having a, the time of his life. And man, he, he's doing leapfrogs. He goes into the splits. And then uh, Dominic's in and he goes through this sequence with a cabrada onto Miz, then grabs hold with a Greco-Roman knuckle lock into a head scissors, taking both men down onto the buckle and a tornillo to the floor. Uh, honestly, I thought it was like, just from one spot to the next, this was like Dominic, like the best I've seen him. And that's not like a slight at other stuff, but this was a very advanced sequence that I thought he he pulled off tremendously well. To me, he's he's proven to be very capable, like, you know, from from his first time that that he appeared. Um, so, yeah, he he looks very much like a natural. Logan uh, nailed Dominic from behind with a cheap shot and hits a running power slam blockbuster. And then Dominic fights, hits a tornado DDT, makes the tag to Ray. And 
They end up setting up the Miz for the 619, but he gets up and is hit with a spinning DDT by Ray and then hits the three amigos, but Miz stops him on the last one. Logan goes over. This was like the, the one kind of botch of the match was where he went for this. It was like a phantom punch that sent Dominic off the apron and they, there was like no connection on it. The crowd is booing Logan and Logan takes hold of Ray and Logan Paul hits the three amigos and this crowd is just fuck this guy and then he climbs to the top he does the eddie guerrero like shimmy before hitting a frog splash dominic (laughs) dives in how dare you desecrate the man who has inspired my outfit for tonight and dominic hits a dive onto miz chases logan around the ring and he ends up caught it's a trap as he is sent onto the middle rope double 619 they hit the big spot dominic with a frog splash ray with a frog splash but miz has blind tagged in and he slams dominic on top of his father before hitting ray with the skull crushing finale and miz pins ray in 11 minutes and 16 seconds i never thought you know this year or maybe in my lifetime that uh, a youtube celebrity would be wrestling in a you know relatively high profile match on WrestleMania and that he would gain heel heat by invoking the memory of Eddie Guerrero through the three amigos. Um Logan Paul and Eddie Guerrero are not names that I, I pictured, you know, saying in the same sentence. And I thought that that was an absolutely brilliant and perfect spot. It was wonderfully set up and teased when Ray did the three amigos and that was cut off. But the moment Logan Paul the, the like you know somebody that like we we wonder if he's even seen an Eddie match. I mean at this point I, I I am assuming he has seen plenty of wrestling because this was fantastic. It was incredibly entertaining. In 2022, I think there exists a very high standard for celebrities wrestling in uh anywhere really. And uh, Logan Paul lived up to those standards. He clearly worked his ass off in presentation for it. I thought it showed here. The execution of all of his spots were fantastic. His heel mannerisms, taking the time, knowing like they're clearly teaching him like, you know, their WWE style because he's he takes his time, looks at the cameras and makes faces for those close ups. And I wait, thought, how did he how did he find the hard cam? He didn't go to NXT. NXT probably came to him. Dude, like the hard like, cam found him. The, maybe that's it. But the, the point is, he the guy took the time and is very aware of those instincts and playing to the crowd. He's got good size, uh, a natural heel charisma about him. So, you know, of course, it helped that he was in there with two veterans that are excellent, of course, in the Miz and Rey Mysterio and Dominic, who, of course, is, is very capable as well, but completely exceeded my expectations and the crowd ate everything up. Yeah, I I thought Logan was a great heel in this match. So then they take a bow and Miz hits Logan Paul with the skull-crushing finale. I was like, why? Why are you doing this? And it was clearly designed that it was Miz is the heel here. Um, I just think like, man, this guy was – he's a natural heel. So why are we doing this uh, to – I guess further this somehow, whether it's Jake coming in. I mean, if those two are coming in as baby faces, like just – Talk about completely misjudging what the appeal is of the Paul brothers. It failed the first time. It did. They will like there will be cities that will absolutely cheer the Miz over Logan Paul. Oh yeah, because he's the wrestler. He's the person who has dedicated himself a lot more than Logan Paul. Now it'll be interesting to see like Logan Paul reactions because he did look legitimately great. I think earned a lot of people's respect who watched it. But enough that people are going to want to cheer this millionaire 
who got rich off of like stupid YouTube and offensive YouTube videos and like wears Pokemon cards that are cost that cost a million dollars around his neck? I don't think so. So, I mean, it, to me, it seems like they're building to a match between The Miz and Logan Paul, which, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But still, I would have Logan Paul be the heel in that in that situation. Yeah, I just uh, I was a fan of the angle afterwards just because I, I, ju- I just think Logan Paul is miscast a- as a babyface. And I think you have it's not even theoretical. We have seen it in practice in WWE of trying to present this guy as a babyface and it's failed miserably. Stephanie McMahon comes out to thank the audience and brought out Gable Stevenson to uh, just wave to the crowd. And then they ran a promo for Young Rock. So putting some emphasis on Young Rock, which is uh, a peacock property, a peacock property and also one that is kind of struggling right now. Oh, okay. Is that right? Well, I'll tell you, I've never seen one clip from Young Rock. So, you know, I thought this was actually kind of necessary because it looked kind of cool. For, for something that, I mean, they, they have what an executive producer credit on. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't, and is in the NBC family. You don't yeah. see any promotion for this series in, on WWE. Mm-hmm. There were also a lot of video packages, packages on this show. And I'm assuming that's Tons. going to be one of the biggest complaints coming out of the show was the number of video packages that they had because they didn't just have video packages for the matches that we we're about to see. But video packages for all the matches for the next day. So I think a lot of people are going to ask why. But I believe also that these are the spots that they use to air the free commercials for the free Peacock feed. Is it not? Correct. And remember what the figure was said in, um, what was it, Ad Week this week of like something like like $12 million worth of inventory of commercial inventory time on WrestleMania. So mm. um, that that's going to explain a lot of, you know, especially for us outside of the U.S. that are not getting the Peacock version of the network that, you know, we, we got the like lengthy profile features on like Sasha Banks and Bobby Lashley that I think uh, fills fills that time for the international time viewership. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm. not ideal for a wrestling show that, that you are watching, but this is also one that is, you know, ad supported that is, is going to have that component to it. And they're also trying to bring you back tomorrow and promoting all of tomorrow's matches on top of it. And then you have these video packages that, yes, we saw on SmackDown and we saw in the two hour show, but they're going to get their money's worth out of the production of these, these video packages. But there, there were a lot on this show. Yeah, and and I think it, you know we've seen this now for several pay per views that have taken place, but it's just a reminder now that at this point, like as part of this Peacock deal, WrestleMania and all their pay per views are not exactly commercial free. Yeah, you might you know if you pay for a certain tier, you might not actually see ads, but the the spaces between the action is going to be different from this point on, or at least from whenever they sign with Peacock on. Uh, and so, so people who are wondering, well, why couldn't they have cut, cut one of these, you know, uh, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar packages to fit the New Day match in? These commercial breaks had to be there. That's it, and and it's also like the the mindset too of, well, you're you're also not paying sixty dollars anymore for for WrestleMania. You're getting it for a great reduced fee. Not that is not new to Peacock. That's been a staple since they moved to, to the network. Um, but I mean, that's just a reality of things that the, the commercial inventory, that is not something that they're going to drop just so they can uh, squeeze in time to fit a tag match in. Becky Lynch against Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, we had two incredible entrances here. Becky comes out. They had very much a uh, like a Marvel-inspired video for uh, Becky Lynch to set up her arrival as a vehicle drives up on the stage and the driver opens the door as Becky comes out. And she, between the hair and like the red makeup, total like David Bowie vibe. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked really cool. 
David Bowie vibe, you know, um, Kiddio vibe, John, you know, for Canadians that, out there. That that That's definitely a, a range. <laughs> but yes, Kiddio was the distant cousin of David Bowie. She looked awesome. She looked like somebody who could who could have you know shown up in uh, uh, all Japan women's dream slam. You know, like it was like that out there and that cool. You know, like we've seen Becky try to play with her looks every single week, and I felt like tonight she completed it. Like the eye makeup, I thought was great. And then, not to be outdone, the Texas Southern University marching band takes over the stage, and they start playing and. This is just awesome. I got chills, man. This was it was incredible. Like this was like a total, like unbelievable production. Like just really incredible. And then what I really enjoyed was her theme plays, and then the marching band is playing and and accentuating Mm -hmm. the theme, having both play. Like you would think, is that going to work? It was tremendous. This was such an awesome. This was by far the best entrance uh, of any of the WrestleMania entrances uh, this year. To me, like this was like an all time great WrestleMania entrance. This this was great. Downstate was pretty great too, though, John. Like we'll we'll compare and contrast. But yeah, for for a, a wrestler that we knew was was coming in here. It was fantastic. It was a great WrestleMania level entrance. Yeah. Like the point of these are by the time the match starts, like you make it feel like the biggest mm-hmm. match possible. This match mm-hmm. felt bigger than it did an hour before the match. Totally. Like totally. it just felt like a big, big match by the time the bell rings. We we criticize WWE a lot, of course, but you cannot fuck with them when it comes to this level of spectacle and this level of presentation. They know how to do this. They know the appropriate amount of time to wait for those gaps before playing the songs. They know the right amount of time to put the lights down before you do all of this. Their production is incredible, and you got to see it in full force tonight. They, you know, nine times out of ten, um, it's great. And then one time out of ten, um, shaky cam, like there, all this bullshit. Yeah. Well, or or a chainsaw with protective glasses to go through foam. That well, NXT budget. It, it was an attempt. So. They start the match with Becky going for the manhandle slam, the perfect way to start mm. this match. And it's avoided Call, calling back to the SummerSlam finish, of course. Yes, the 26 second finish. And instead, Be- uh, Belair stops her. She goes for the KOD with Becky landing on her feet. And then she hits the manhandle slam and Belair kicks out at two. I, I thought a tremendous start, like the best way to start this match. Immediately sucked this crowd in. Everybody got it. Everybody understood the reference to the SummerSlam match. And from this point on, they worked a, like a finish level pace throughout almost the entire match. Yeah, they went 19 minutes. Uh, we saw uh, unorthodox stuff from Becky. She went for a moonsault off the top. And then she's dragging Belair by her braid on the floor. And Belair gets sent into the steps and... Her throat is sent into the rope, so playing off of the television angle, uh, allowing Becky to hit a guillotine leg drop, and then both go over the top to the floor. Uh, Bel Air later goes for the handspring moonsault for a two count, and then they're on the turnbuckle, and Bel Air hits uh, Colt Cabana's Chicago skyline, where she has her on the shoulders and drops her onto the top turnbuckle and follows with a 450 splash. Later, Becky is on the top turnbuckle and go- hits the Molly go round, which they were trying to describe this in so many different ways. Uh, well, she didn't exactly make contact like a Molly go round. Like her she didn't foot. fully go around because her foot blasted Be- uh, Bel Air right in the face. Uh, yeah. And they showed the replay of this. And this was, uh, I mean, honestly, if this were like a shoot move, it I mean, that's what, that would you be going for, like rather than just uh, the um, the posterior. 
Uh, totally, yeah. Which I mean, Jimmy Smith tried to like you know make, give a give us the technical term for it, which I think was like rolling thunder kick, like I guess RVD's um what RVD named it after, perhaps I don't know. But um, I'm I'm totally fine when they, whenever they play replays like this because in the context of the match, it absolutely makes sense. Why this worked out better for her? Uh, so Belair's reeling from that, uh, but comes back with another handspring moonsault, landing on the knees. Belair lifts her for the KOD, but Becky is holding on to the rope for all it's worth. And so she gets tossed over the top with the KOD to the floor. They fight and Belair is sent into the post and is hit with a manhandle slam onto the steps. And the count is going. And th- this is one of those instances where the 20 count is so superior. She's like out of it at like eight and then hits nine and boom, she gets like back in, but it was still dramatic. And the crowd reacted big, uh, when Bel Air got into the ring and she lifts Bel Air again, trying for one last manhandle slam. And Bel Air counters it with a backflip out of the corner, lifts her up and hits the K O D E O for the finish at <laughs> 19 minutes and eight seconds. Uh, uh, Bel Air wins a terrific match. And for the second year in a row, she wins a version of the women's championship. It was the SmackDown title last year and the raw women's title this year. This match was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, depending on who you ask, um, if you ask me, it was the match of the night. I, I loved it. They had this crowd from the beginning to the end. You know, first of all, I, like going back to SummerSlam, that was a decision that that was met with a lot of criticism. And even now seeing the full picture and the full story that they told, I think you could still question whether or not it was the right, the right move to have Bianca, you know, lose so quickly and then basically kind of have her, you know, not doing a whole lot for the better part of six months. But I, I think what's also forgotten in that is that a lot of people are going back to that and saying, oh, you have to wait for it to play out. A lot of that anger that night was that you had promoted the rematch of the main event of WrestleMania. And mm. even Becky in an interview this week said she was contacted on Monday where they were told we can't do this match. And we promoted it right up until match time. And you took that away from people. So not only did you do this took the match away that you advertised you didn't replace it with something you you did an angle instead of it so that was that was also like it was just false advertising on top of it that i think rubbed people the wrong way just the same as if they they did this rematch uh at SummerSlam this year and just becky can't do the match but she's gonna do all the media leading up to it even though the match is not happening so i think that that was a part of it as well that i think upset people Agreed. Totally agreed. But strictly speaking about the creative decision to have Bianca Belair lose, you know, in however many seconds. Um, again, it's, it's to be debated, but I feel like it absolutely contributed to the atmosphere and the excitement that we felt trying to see Bianca Belair get that win back and try to get that championship back tonight because all of that frustration that was built up from August was released tonight. In that one moment when she got that pinfall, it helped this crowd get completely attached into this match for the babyface to want to succeed. It worked. And we can't say this time that it's, you know, it was a Daniel Bryan situation that they didn't plan for. This was something they planned for from August, this particular moment of having Bianca Belair being crowned at WrestleMania. So I think we have to give him some credit, um, a lot of credit, actually, and, and especially Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, because they executed the plan to a T. The, the, the atmosphere was incredible. They wrestled like fast for like 90% of this match, never lost this crowd. Yes, there might have been some botches, but there was nothing they couldn't recover from, nothing that derailed this match whatsoever. Fantastic performance. 
it was it was great. I, I thought this was like a, certainly a, a you know at, at this point like the show to me went to a, another level. This was just a terrific terrific title match uh, on this show. W- which one did you like more, this match or last year's Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks match? Um, I feel this probably like. Like th- there was so much like specialness attached to last year's match that I think was just like the j- just the feeling people had watching it. I would definitely have to go back and watch it. My gut reaction is probably this was the better match, although I think last year's was probably going to be the more memorable one to 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 most. My gut reaction is actually the the other way around. Actually, like I mean, and again, so much of that I think is dependent on your personal attachment to the match itself. But um, the fact that we could even consider the two being candidates uh, of of the same question, knowing how oh, many they're, they're two won. excellent matches. Like you, there, there isn't a wrong answer to me of like which whichever one you you prefer. Um, and of, and of there's course, certainly you know, the recency of just watching this one. There is absolutely. Uh, but you know, knowing that. Um, I did put a Twitter poll, very scientific, oh. of course, up there, asking people which one they thought was better. And I mean, I was at least surprised because I thought recency bias would really run away with it. But it's a lot closer than I thought at the moment. Uh, 41.1% prefer the Sasha Banks match from last year, while 58.9% prefer Becky. It's it's not only a, a, you know, it was a very good match last year, but it's also been treated as such in WWE. Like they have played that match up. It's not one that like you're, you're scratching your head to remember it. Like it's, it's one of those matches that they have promoted as a major WrestleMania match. So, um, that's going to play into things too. But there you go. That is the answer from Waze Twitter. That's the answer. <laughs> Official. Printed. So, uh, then we, we go into the next match and we've got, like a, I guess a choir on the on the stage humming Seth Rollins theme. So, sometimes when you do like an entrance like this, the default is, oh my god, it's different, it's great. I did not think that with the, with this one. I mean, coming off of the Bianca Belair entrance, like seeing a full marching band, to, I'm sure this choir is probably like they probably do great work, but this. They felt like, you know, like a, a community gym, you know, uh, of hobbyists who might sing during Christmas um, when they came out here to, to do this. Like it felt so so low budget compared to, to the previous two. So it might have just been, you know, a, a fact of uh, poor placement. But, yeah, it was not that special. Seth comes out in this insane giant blue robe. I mean, his outfit was just uh, something else. Uh, he comes out. And he's in, and they're just milking this. They're they're waiting and waiting, and Seth is getting impatient. The lights slowly go out. It's completely dark. Let me just say, again, talking about WWE production, to me, this was art. The way, like, we all know what's about to happen, but the way that they managed to just play with our expectations by delaying that moment. I, I would love, to, you know what AEW did with the CM Punk return? How they like showed us the the behind the scenes camera yes. from the truck. I would love it if like you know we we got to see something like that. And yes, like I know people have their opinions about Kevin Dunn, but like when it comes to this shit, like this team is incredible, you know. And and that I don't think WWE will ever like take us behind the curtain that much. But again, they should be commended because this was perfect. Yeah. So the lights go out, and then downstate. Makes its arrival at WrestleMania as Kingdom roars throughout AT&T Stadium and elevating from underneath the stage is Cody Rhodes, blonde hair, neck tattoo. It's full on American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. 
it is totally like the WWE and Vince McMahon's MO to completely like, or at least alter and tweak other people's creations that they didn't originate. You know, we think back to like Diamond Dallas Page or the entire invasion, or like just think about any anybody that really came from WCW. There's always going to be some alteration, whether it be Goldberg's trunks or like, you know, the NWO suddenly like being um, a, a team that like, you know, we hadn't seen paired together in quite some time. They kept this Cody presentation exactly the same or as close to it as they possibly could from the last time we saw him show up in AEW to today. They did not change the music. They didn't change the guy's robe. They kept his his elevator entrance, dude. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was I mean, it was like it was taking the AEW version of Cody Rhodes and transplanting it into WWE. So like um, it, it, to me, it was like, you know, it was like seeing Tobey Maguire show up from like, you know, uh, the, the 2000 Spider-Man to like, you know, no way home. It, it was like, it, it would be like seeing Henry Cavill travel from the DCEU universe to an MCU film. So he comes out. It's, it's a gigantic reception for Cody Rhodes. His first appearance at WrestleMania since the last one at AT&T stadium. When he was stardust in a ladder match. Wow. Okay. Where, which Zack Ryder won? That Zack Ryder won. Correct. So uh, he comes out and it's, again, it's a huge reaction. The announcers are going crazy. And then I thought this was like a big, this was a tough task because when you do a giant surprise like this and then you want to go out and do like a big epic match, that is, that is very tough to do because at this point, you like there's the fan that just wants to see Cody just run through the guy. And it's like, you're, you're, you're in the adulation of the, the entrance and the guys here. And then you want to get people into a match. That's like, a that is a transition that you have to make, uh, take your audience on. And they went out and dude, for 21 minutes, they had this crowd from start to finish. And they did not like, they did not tire midway through this. It was, you know, a, th- this was like a big, Cody pay-per-view style match where we're going to do all the kickouts. We're going to do all the spectacular stuff. And he had an incredible opponent here in Seth Rollins to do that type of match with. Completely uh, agreed. Yeah. This to me was like the the second shock of of this entire segment. You know, not just the fact that he came out completely a carry carry over completely from his AEW routine, but he had like a match that to me felt very much like it could have taken place on an AEW pay-per-view complete with like callbacks to that he developed in AEW like him doing the pedigree is not something he's he's never done in the WWE but um teased it the same way that he would have you know if it was a match against um uh who was his last opponent Sammy Guevara Sammy Guevara like it it, it felt a direct translation yeah and the Tiger Driver 98 was uh, renamed the Powerbomb well he can't exactly do the Tiger Driver here well I it wasn't a driver like it is it, it he just it was more so a suplex this time. more so yeah where he's like dr- dropping him like on, on the back um at the beginning he does uh the stardust cartwheel and yeah. graves pretty much explained he was like cleansing it from his system i thought graves did a hell of a job in this match he was great he's clearly somebody who's been following cody throughout his AEW run so he was able to i think make plenty of references at, at least to the spots that he was developed there like he mentioned undeniable you know at some point he knew all the moves in both of their arsenals of course and i thought he did a great job graves was very good here um 
early on, Pedigree and Stomp are blocked and they're battling and crash over the top to the floor. Um, Rollins at, at one point, uh, Rhodes takes his arm and just drives the shoulder into the mat and Rhodes, uh, is grabbing hold of his ribs after a high cross is met with a drop kick. And so Rollins is working on him with a bear hug at one point gets in the line. Welcome back to the big leagues, bitch. And he continues to work on the ribs. Uh, Cody did a moonsault off of the top and it just keeps escalating and escalating. Rollins hits that, that great looking springboard knee, Falcon arrow for a two count. And Cody continues to avoid a pair of stomps. Crossroads gets countered and then finally hits one and it's a near fall. And this takes the crowd to another level, seeing the crossroads uh, being kicked out from Rollins hit an inverted superplex from the top and followed that with like a giant, like, uh, reverse bloody Sunday for a two count. Then he goes for the Phoenix splash, misses that. He goes for the pedigree. It's countered and Cody gets the underhooks and he goes for the, uh, the, the tiger power bomb. 22. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His variation of it, you know. And, like, he's been doing the double underhook teases, of course, you know, throughout his AEW run. Um, never executing a pedigree, to my knowledge, and always going for, like, a Tiger Driver, um, like, the 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 J-Driller, basically. Like, right. that that sort of move. Uh, here, he obviously can't do it, so he turned it into a, a little kind of suplex type of deal. And uh, this crowd completely, like, they knew what was going on. Then he hit a Cody cutter off of the top for a two count. Uh, Rollins hits him with the pedigree for a near fall. And this place goes nuts for the pedigree mm. kick out uh, from a, Cody. A lot of significance. I mean, attached to that move because, you know, they're, it's part of the repertoire. And that Triple H connection is attached to both of these men. And, of course, with his recent retirement, like, the more you think about it, the more perfect this pairing is. And then Kawada kicks from Rollins. Rhodes grabs hold of him. One crossroads, two crossroads, and he's setting up for a third, but he starts delivering the dusty jabs and hits him with the bionic elbow before hitting the third and final crossroads to win the match in 21 minutes and 33 seconds. This this was spectacular. It was a hell of a match, man. Um, and it's so cliche, but this this entire presentation was a hell of a WrestleMania moment. Um, this was a- like this hour. Of WrestleMania, that yeah. last match and this one, that that's a pretty high hour of start to finish. Is this the best like one two combination we've seen of, of matches out of WrestleMania? Um, you know, seventeen and nineteen had some some really great ones. I'd certainly have to go back and look at them. This, this is pretty high. Like, these, but I mean, but I mean, like two matches back to back. Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking of. Like th- those shows were like like pretty stacked. But this was. This was a hell of a match to have to follow. Like you did have the Cody surprise. Like I wasn't worried about them following it. Um, but also like, again, like this crowd is spent from just reacting to him and then yeah. they're going 21 minutes. Like, and they could have said from, like, they're spent from Becky and Bianca as well. They're, they're doing that, that as well. Um, I, let's, Becky and, uh, Bianca was like, t- to me, it was excellent. I, th- this was my match of the show. I just thought this was just, um, a, very, very high tier wrestling match. It was, uh, Seth was fantastic. Uh, Cody, if, if you want to take nothing away from this, uh, the one, the one major point is this guy's coming in as a major guy and he was treated as such here. And just uh, the, from the presentation, the handling of it and how this was structured. I mean, you can see that this is, uh, someone of priority coming in, at least to, uh, right now. Anybody who's followed him for the past, you know, three, four, five years knows that the man is a capable 
main eventer, somebody who can headline a pay-per-view, somebody who can possibly headline a WrestleMania. The biggest question would be whether or not Vince McMahon saw him as that person. And at least upon return tonight, even though this wasn't the main event, the guy gave him a presentation like he was a main eventer, gave him a win over Seth Rollins, which I mean, honestly, today that maybe doesn't mean as much as it did. But still, like a 20 minute match sight unseen to this audience, it could have failed, John, you know, like a good chunk of this audience could have not reacted at all. But I think it's a real testament to AEW, to be honest with you, like because everybody recognized who this person was. They knew what he was up to. They recognized his moves and and, and entrance from AEW. This was an entrance created for AEW fans, not your casual WWE viewer who only watches once, once a year. They would have been completely lost, but there were enough people who recognized what was going on here to completely make this feel very special. So all the credit to them for letting him seemingly have like full autonomy to present his character on this screen. As soon as he came out, uh, Variety posted their interview with Cody that they conducted several days ago, uh, talking about uh, coming back here and just uh, some quotes from that interview. Uh, He said, it seems like kind of a culmination of my whole career, but I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to put any hyperbole there, but it's the biggest crowd in wrestling. It's returning to me in something that I built and nobody else built. And that's the ultimate vindication. I told Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard and Nick Khan, this very small circle of individuals. I told them what I truly believe. And it's that I'm the best wrestler in the world. And to go further with it, I actually don't think there's a close second. But with that said, the opportunity now exists to prove it. And that's what I'm most excited about. And when asked about AEW, he said, I chose to remain silent about my departure from AEW, and I'm going to keep my word on that. There's no shoot interview. There's no nefarious tale that's going to be told. They, these, there were all of these different theories, and none of them are correct. I mean, there were things about money and creative control. They were printed as fact, and it's been a very difficult two months to see that, when the reality is it was just time. It was a personal matter, and we could not move past it. I have nothing but respect for Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega. I'm rooting for Tony Khan. His name is going to be in the history books as someone who helped to bankroll and support this entire alternative and revolution that AEW became, but for me, it was just time to move on. I get an opportunity at my dream, I get another chance at it, and you really can't leave any stone unturned with that. So, um, certainly not you know, taking any shots uh, at this point uh, to, to AEW and um, giving some know. clarity about the situation. You know, he's been completely some. silent. Some. Yeah. And I mean, of course, like stories can change, you know, we'll, like we, we, we may never know the exact reasons why he left, but um, he's doing a lot of interviews. I believe like uh, even the right ringers now. already got one up with, with him, like was done minutes after the match. So, okay. Um, so now all. we get to kind of dig in and, and analyze this Cody transition a little bit more. But they've got the merchandise up. Um, his his uh, Cody is a terrible shirt. Hideous. Yeah. <laughs> um, not one that I think Braden would give the thumbs up to. It's uh, on his, brand. His PR team did put out um, some kind of press release calling it like a multi-year deal, which I think everyone would have assumed um, uh, for, for this one. But um, yeah, I mean, he is going to be the, one of the most analyzed figures in uh, in all of wrestling for the next um, couple of months to see wh- where he is because he he could not have come in any hotter than how he did tonight, getting a major win, uh, tearing the house down. And this is a company that they they greatly need main event stars um they're also at a situation where they will be just fine if they if they bungle it uh, at the same time so um he, he's going to be very uh a very very interesting figure to watch look yes look absolutely. are you sure this aren't you sure. aren't you sad your birthday just passed <laughs> yeah i didn't know that you could make that neck tattoo look any worse but man they made this shirt it is uh 
it's gonna sell a lot you know i'll say that like i mean after this this appearance tonight like no matter what how we may analyze the situation um i have to imagine he feels pretty happy about what he got to achieve tonight you know being able to have a 20 minute highlighted wrestlemania match uh an excellent wrestlemania match to some people like to many people match of the night and suddenly feeling like a big star maybe even the biggest in the industry right now and uh that that's certainly a far cry from where he was in in aw when he left of course the question is in two months time in three months time when the luster wears off where's cody Rhodes going to be it's it's a great question like he is coming in it's a system that he knows that i think he's coming in with um you know j- just you know putting out that that comment that i feel i I am the best wrestler in the world. Like people can scoff at that comment. That is the kind of um, confidence that you pretty much have to project at this level for Vince McMahon to see you in that light. And that is going to be a welcome attitude uh, if he's coming in and believing that I, I am this benchmark to come in and be something big. Six months from now, he could be anywhere. Who knows where he is going to be in, in terms of this? Like it's, you, you cannot predict it, but um, he got off to a great start. That's you the can, best you can do. You can argue that like trying to shake that stigma is tougher because you're with people now that saw you grow up from when you were nothing, when you're just a kid, you know, coming up through their system. So can he be like a Drew McIntyre and like, you know, shed whatever whatever he had, uh, whatever image that they had of him prior? I'd say tonight was a very, very good start. I don't know if it could have gone any better for him. And he's a great promo, which which also helps. That can be difficult in a WWE system, but again, it's going to be interesting to see like what leeway he gets. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating um, person to watch. The other thing for me, like that that that's a major talking point coming out of this, is that to me, like his authentic presentation from his AEW self to tonight, to me, sent a very strong message to people like an MJF. People that are outside of their system that, hey, if you're a big enough star, if we have the trust in you, you can be yourself. You don't have to, you know, conform to to what we think of you. But and again, you know, this can all change like by tomorrow. It can change certainly in two months and three months. But at least tonight, they gave the impression that you could be yourself. I would say that there are two other examples of uh, that sends a message to your WWE talent that is looking elsewhere. And that is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Mm hmm. Totally. Yes. So uh, that was uh, that was the Cody portion of the show. They brought out all of the Hall of Fame inductees with a huge response for the Undertaker who walked out uh, to his theme. And then they gave the update on Rick Boogs and then gave the announced attendance of seventy seven thousand eight ninety nine. Uh, WrestleTix just posted their last count they had um, was at sixty five thousand seven hundred and nineteen. So that's the figure um, that WrestleTix has. So about twelve thousand people working in the building. Um, you know what? Those pop- popcorn doesn't pop itself. Okay. Yeah. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta man those vendor vending systems. I would actually love to know what that number would actually be of like people just, just working. It, it's also sweet numbers too. So like that, oh. that is a, that is a number in there as well. Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So at this point, like you can see, like they were going to go Charlotte Ronda, the New Day match, and then close with, uh, with Austin and Owens. Um, but of course time would, would, uh, cut out the middle there. So Rousey early on is going for the ankle lock and then for a triangle. And it was just constant going for the ankle and Flair avoiding it. And Rousey, um, 
She went for something off of the middle turnbuckle. Uh, Cole called it a modified tornado DDT. It looked more like a, like a flatliner she hit. Uh, she hit the Piper's pit and then Flair avoids the arm bar and drops her with a boot. And then Rousey hit this beautiful looking power slam. Like she just, um, just, just with her hip movement. This looked great, this power slam. And then uh, Piper's pit gets blocked, rolls to the ankle lock, and it's reversed by Flair, and she applies an ankle lock onto Rousey. Rousey tries for the triangle and sends Charlotte into the bottom turnbuckle with the back of her head smashing into it. Again, we go back to the ankle lock, and she's torquing on it. Flair kicks free, lowers the knee pad, and she's going for the figure eight, but Ronda counters it to the arm bar, back to the figure four position, and she gets the figure eight, which Rousey is eventually able to uh, reverse and Rousey gets to the floor. So that was a really nice sequence of like submissions and reversals. Flair then gets flipped off of the apron and man, she crashed onto the floor. It made the largest thud as she landed and she caught Rousey, explode her into the barricade. And then we go into the ring, another Piper's pit, but Flair gets her foot on the rope and the referee counts three, but he waves it off. Having seen the foot on the rope and Rhonda is protesting the Charles Robinson. And then a natural selection is hit, but Rousey kicks Flair and and she ends up spearing Charles Robinson. Has that ever happened to you where you've just got hit from behind and you spear somebody? I, I don't know if I've gotten hit from behind before. So, um, you know, I'm sure physics um, dictates that this will always happen. Rousey applies the arm bar and Charlotte taps, but the referee is down. So Rousey goes to revive Robinson and then gets blasted with a boot. And Charlotte pins her in 18 minutes and 21 seconds. And she's holding her arm, selling the arm bar and... Um, I, I can't say I was stunned by the outcome. I think this is a program, and I mean, this outcome, I think, pretty much solidifies it, that this is going to be a series of matches between these two, and Charlotte wins the first one, and they'll they'll continue this. Given that we have, you know, WrestleMania backlash coming pretty soon, I, I, I guess I figured at least one of these, you know, two women's championships won't change hands so that we have one person continuing the chase, and I thought for sure it was going to be Bianca. Because I thought they wanted, you know, that closing shot of Ronda with the championships on WrestleMania. But thankfully, they thought otherwise and flipped that around. And instead, it looks like it, it'll probably be, be Ronda, you know, doing the rematch with, with Charlotte. At least, and and know, probably someone in the ultimate match having to submit to the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I, I certainly don't fault it. You know, um, I think overall it was a these two worked incredibly hard you know they, again it was a pretty ambitious match considering i think the the level that ronda has been in since she's come back um i thought they tried a lot of very ambitious spots including some really nice submission entries and reversals um there was you know the unfortunate kind of moonsault the andrade moonsault attempt that like charlotte unfortunately just completely overshot uh in the middle there but otherwise like pretty decent I think it was though largely a, a match that was hurt overall by like the matchmaking and the build because you compare this to Bianca and, and versus Becky, it, it shows you how important it is to have a strong baby face that the crowd wants to see win. And I just didn't necessarily get the sense that, you know, this audience gave a shit whether or not Ronda won or lost this challenge. And I, I think it overall kind of diminished maybe some of the buzz of the match. And while I found the match captivating, like, my overall enjoyment and memory of it isn't as significant, you know, compared to some other matches on the show. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a good match, but I'm not going to the level of great. And they had, you know, they, they had two big matches to follow, but that's, that's the position you're in, in, in this kind of a situation. You're going but, on later WrestleMania. But, you got to follow a lot of stuff. So, I, I mean, should it have been in this spot? 
I guess in in hindsight, you you could argue, but at, at we same- all knew that though. We all knew that the interest was not there, like for this versus Becky versus Bianca. It, it could have been it could have been a tough situation as well if if like Becky and Belair were following like that that whole Cody stuff. Like it's right. it, it's tough. Um, hmm. you know, the crowd was a bit down for this one, but I, I still think they were engaged in this one. But um. Yeah, to, to me, it was. I think they certainly have a better match in them than than this one. I will say this: like we had those questions about Ronda and having to do a lengthy match. She did eighteen minutes here. Was it perfect? Far from it. But it was. It, it like it was a good performance that that mm-hmm. she had, and it's the longest we have seen her in a in a single situation. It, it's the longest match she's had. Period since she's come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, again, like a ton of respect for somebody like dealing with a newborn. And trying to, you know, build up to, to enough cardio to get up and up into this, this phase. Like it's like physically it really she looked, she looked great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they ran the promo for WrestleMania next year, April 1st and April 2nd. And this is when the, uh, the news of, uh, Kingston and Woods versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland getting cut. And, um, I haven't checked anything. You would assume that they fit this onto the show somewhere tomorrow. I think you. I feel like that would be a safe assumption because I think it would be incredibly. Listen, like this might be a hot take, but I was not upset about this. Listen, this was I, the, this was a match that you could certainly argue was like the least. Um, it, 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 this I, I would say that this was definitely below McIntyre and Corbin. The appeal of the match from the get go when they planned it was that this was to be a, a reunion of the New Day, and when Biggie was taken out, unfortunately, like it, it kind of took a lot of the luster out of it, and. They could have, I think, you know, maybe I don't want to say like they could have built on the story, perhaps of, of the revenge a, a little bit more, but it just was didn't get to that, to that level. And if you're talking about a show like that is stacked with so much stuff already, this was designed to, to be a come down match. This was not put second from the top because it was the second hottest program. This was yeah. a come down from the women's title match and Austin. So totally. they yeah. were not treating this as an important match on the show. And unfortunately, you feel awful for the performers that yeah. they get cut at the last minute. Of course, that goes without saying. But let's not pretend that this was a match that people were paying to see. They were you feel, not. You feel bad for the performers who are dressed up and ready to go. You feel bad for the people that are New Day fans that specifically may, may have paid for a ticket to see them tonight. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, if you're going to have something go, I would have kept at least – like. I think it's more important to tell the video stories of the main events and the matches that you are presenting versus having just another meaningless match that's out there just to make some people happy, especially when you can have this match the next day, full on presentation and, you know, they, they get their time. So we have something to complain about perhaps if they get cut tomorrow, but I'm, I'm, I feel pretty confident that, that we'll see them tomorrow. Yeah, I, I would too. I, I would also imagine though that tomorrow's show is probably timed out. By, by this point as well. Like, look at tonight. Kickoff. The kickoff. You have two hours, essentially, to work with, and that's probably where you, you would slot this in because the main show, it's like, okay, well, then we got to take time out from other matches, and I'm sure no one no one wants to give up time at WrestleMania. So you have the kickoff. That's that's when I it's would do it. It's not the same, everybody, but, like, listen, we wouldn't be talking about this match even if it did take place tonight. Like, and, and I, I don't think they should be in the business of making every single person happy that's on the roster. What is What makes the best show? Listen, that's when we've had these marathon shows, people have complained there's too much on there. But when you mm-hmm. get to specific people, no one wants to cut anyone. Well, it's like you've got to make a choice. Do you want a better digestible show? Because if you do, it means a lot of performers are not going to get onto the biggest show or shows 
of the year. And this was one where, I mean, it was seven matches plus a big segment. It was not a bloated show, like numerically, but still stuff runs long packages are we, we had we did end up having seven matches didn't we we ended up yeah we ended up with seven when austin and owens became an actual match uh kevin owens comes out and this crowd is booing him he is coming out i mean it was really something uh to watch um from someone that i interviewed outside of the ted reeve arena after he won the uh the roh title at border wars and he's walking out and here he is like the pinnacle of his career is happening yeah. I mean, it's it's hard not to feel good for someone just in this position and someone who I am sure faced a lot of negativity throughout his career that I mean, it was the talk of like, would WWE even sign this guy was the talk for years that he couldn't even get in the door. I mean, it's it's a really remarkable story that I mean, this will this may be Dude, the, the climax of this guy's career. We saw this guy wrestle in St. John's Hall for UWA. As Mr. Wrestling Kevin Steen, dude. Like, can you b- believe that? We saw him in Mississauga. We, we followed him throughout his entire career, basically. Yeah. And tonight he main evented WrestleMania against Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, that's a throw for me. I can't imagine being him and, and what it's like, you know, to suddenly <laughs> main event WrestleMania against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Huge. Like, uh, it was, it was a very cool moment to, uh, to, to, to watch. So. Owens comes out and everybody is booing and he gets into the ring. The KO set is there. He said a lot of bad things about Texas and Steve Austin. He brings up that if the U.S. was a human body, Texas would be its ass. And I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize for telling the truth about your pathetic state. I've been here for a couple of days. It's even worse than I remember. And I'll bring my guest out when I feel like it because it's my show. This guy, Steve Austin, is the worst role model in the history of WWE. And when he comes out here, he's going to sit in this chair and I'm going to tell him he sucks and he's not going to do a thing about it. And as he goes to continue his tirade, Austin's theme hits. And dude, it was uh, of all the reactions tonight. Uh, this one trumped them all. This was just gigantic. When he walked out, this place exploded. Austin walks out with the jean shorts, the trademark knee braces and an Austin 316 shirt, and he just soaks it all in. He's on the stage, walking back and forth, and then he goes backstage, and he returns on the ATV, and he just roars down this stage with it. Owens is the one to finally cut the music as Austin's in the ring and tells Austin to take a seat. Austin responds, telling Kevin Owens that he looks like a jackass who's been running down Texas, and Owens explains his rationale for hating Texas. It's hot in the summer. The land is flat and uninspiring. Unlike Canada, you wear stupid hats in this state, belt buckles. If I grew up here, I would have just moved to Mexico. It's right there. The crowd starts chanting asshole at him, and he goes on to tell Austin that he is a distinguished French Canadian. (laughs) Like just every, what could possibly anger this Texas crowd more than a distinguished French Canadian? But he explains he tricked Austin. He's not here to talk. He's looking for a fight. And he challenges Austin. He knows it's been 19 years since his last match. You have shot knees, a shot back, and a shot neck. But other than that, you're fine. And there's no reason for you to turn this down. And I suggest we have a no-holds-barred match. But I know that you're looking at me, and you can't beat this guy. So why don't you take your beer and your golf cart and go back to your stupid ranch? And Austin, it's just, he's boiling. He's sitting here. The crowd is going nuts for him. 
And he says, I had my first match in Dallas. Maybe I could have my last match in Dallas. He asks the crowd, hell yeah. And he is ready to take out this sack of shit. Listen, okay, this this was not um this was not the the best material that I've ever heard from a heel uh insulting somebody's hometown. It was not the best way that I've heard somebody antagonize another wrestler into a match. It was pretty much like pretty basic stuff. And um all this was doing was it didn't matter. The fans it didn't wait. matter. To it anticipate what they knew was going to happen. He could have come out and like farted for like five minutes. I, I And I would have been just as excited because I knew at some point Steve Austin was going to get physical at uh, at, at some, you know, some significant level uh, in the main event of WrestleMania. So this it's all to say, like, this build has been about, you know, as basic of a generic wrestling build as you could have had. Like, I hate your hometown. And why do I hate it? Because of these signature things that are attached to your hometown. But it didn't matter because, again, yeah, it was just to make us delay and build anticipation for this moment. Austin calls for a ref and the bell rings and this place is going nuts. Steve Austin's first match since March 30th of 2003 when we were in high school. And he, do, do you realize that when Steve Austin had his last match, he was our age? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my God. That is weird. The age game's the worst. It's just oh, the worst. Oh man. I hate that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're really making me assess what I've accomplished. Yeah. yeah. Thus far. As uh as one year old Julia Hart was uh I'm sure watching on, <laughs> on paper. Just stop. Can you just please? Uh so Austin just attacks him with strikes. He's stomping him in the corner. I mean, he's going at like it's not like a, a rapid pace here at the beginning. He's really just, I think, kind of getting acclimated to the fact that he's doing physicality here. There was a very light Irish whip reversal on the floor. And the slow pace, I felt like, was intentional to start, don't you think? Because he ended up going pretty fast with the stomp. He, he picked up on the stomp. It was more so the, the Irish whip on the floor. It was like he did a reversal, and it was just like you can see, like, this is a guy that had, like, spinal stenosis you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. this is someone that is not looks fantastic he looks in tremendous shape at at 57 um but kept the the shirt on we should did keep the shirt on you're right yeah and they're brawling on the floor dude kevin owens i mean goddamn he he takes it inside out lariat he was this was the structure of the match steve you you just do whatever and I'm going to make you, you throw a five. I'm going to make it look like a 20. Okay. Yeah. That's what this is going to look like. I'm, I'm going to do everything in my power to make you look like Steve Austin. This was like, uh, uh, the crusher coming back in Milwaukee or Jackie Fargo coming out of retirement. Like this was just the legend coming back and you had a heel that was going to bump his ass off for Steve Austin. Completely. Yeah. That was Kevin Owens's job tonight. You know, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say like that this was. Like Kevin Owens wrestling this wrestler because it would be an insult to Steve Austin. Steve Austin gave a lot, but it was kind of like Steve Austin almost wrestling the invisible man here because he, he did everything for this, for this dude to make him look incredible. And, uh, he deserves all the accolades. They, they did more than I expected. Like the vertical suplexes on the floor that Austin yeah. took when they, like, I did not expect to, to see something like that. Um, Austin, I mean, this, this was probably, um, every wrestling fan's most enjoyable, um, product placement, 
uh, because he just drank beer after beer of his new uh, stone cold lager, whatever it's called. It's um, great product placement. It's also a great way to stay hydrated. Yes. Uh, is that does does beer work when you're in the midst of an athletic uh, endeavor? Beer is a, a lot of beer, the content in beer is water. Yeah, but I mean, I I don't I get I get some I carbs. Guess right. Yeah, yeah. So he just is drinking and drinking. <laughs> Owens tries to leave on his ATV and he can't get the thing to start. So Austin nails him, sits behind him, and drives this thing up the stage. I thought they were just going to crash into the set. I didn't know what they were going to do here. He he stops it, and they fight on the stage. And we get more. We get two vertical suplexes on the stage. And then he rolls Owens down the ramp, has two more beers. And then in the ring, Owens catches him with a stunner. And dude, there were people in this crowd that believed that Steve Austin was going to get pinned with his stunner. He kicks out and the crowd is cheering. He's alive. And I wouldn't have put it past them to, I mean, yeah, now that I think about it, there was no no way they were beating Steve Austin with the stunner in Texas to close WrestleMania. There was no goddamn way that was happening. It's to show you maybe how much I got sucked into all this because I thought, oh, okay, yeah, he's putting over the guy who's sticking around. Why not? But no, there's, you're right. There's no way. Owens gets a chair, does the Kurt Angle special, misses, bounce off the rope, nails himself in the head, stunner, and Austin pins him in 13 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, afterwards, he's doing the beer celebration, hits Owens with another stunner, and the Texas officers come and escort Kevin Owens out. And Austin says it's good to be back in Texas. That's the bottom line. And then as a make good for my money, the worst segment in Steve Austin's career was that 316 day in the empty performance center with Byron Saxton. He brought Byron in to give him a stunner to erase the memory of March 16th, 2020. And they can never reference that awful segment again. And then one of Steve's brothers got into the ring as well. And that's how the show ended. Um, this, this was not about being, uh, like some great wrestling match that's totally missing the point of this. This mm-hmm. was an experience for every fan in this arena that loved this, that got to see something they did not expect in terms of an actual match. This was probably the pinnacle of Kevin Owens career that he'll be talking about 40 years from now. And I, I mean, it was just like a great send off to, to the show. It was its own thing. And this crowd, they were here to see Steve Austin and they got way more than they bargained for. Exactly. You underpromise and you overdeliver, which I think was the philosophy t- tonight. This, this was so much fun watching John. Yes, it was not the best match of the show. It, it, did Steve Austin look as good as he did 20 years ago? No, nobody can, unless you're Chris Jericho, perhaps, you know? Um, but this was also not that performance where you come back and you regret doing it, which I'm sure was Steve's hesitancy. Well, Brett, like, you know, that, that's uh, Sean Michaels, you know, for that matter, like in Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. Like, all that aside, like, you're right. Like, this was the level of performance that I think was more than enough. To, for to, to if, taking those vertical suplexes on his neck and back, like mm-hmm. he, frankly, he did not need to do that. I oh, don't think no. I don't think he needed to do that at, at all. That was certainly above and beyond what was called for here. He didn't need to, but, but above everything, these two successfully for what was it like fifteen minutes, Sean? It was it was j- just just under fourteen minutes, uh, bell to bell for fifteen minutes. I was as giddy as a little kid because I got to see Stone Cold Steve Austin in an official wrestling match in the main event of WrestleMania. You know, this to me is like, 
you know, it's like it's like it's like suddenly getting a new song by the Beatles. You know, like yeah, it might not be as good as like you know what's on Abbey Road, but it's still pretty damn cool, right? And you're going to remember it because um, it's it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, man. So uh, they pulled it off. I thought hats off to Kevin Owens. I thought he earned every b- bit of that main event. I don't know if there if there was a better person to put in that position. Um, and we, you know, like I see. I see this match and like, I think my expectations for like, you know, what Steve Austin will do afterwards are a bit more tempered coming off of this. I don't think he's going to come back to like for a run or anything like that. I don't even know if he's going to come back for another match, but, um, for one night, he certainly did enough to, you know, create a, an incredible memory for a lot of people. Yeah. I I think, I think it totally delivered in terms of a, like a big, big moment to end WrestleMania with. And I've got to say like for, for the first night of WrestleMania, I think between the, Belair and Becky match, Cody and Seth, you got the big Austin match on top of it. Like that, that was enough for me that I, I, I would, I would peg this as like a thumbs up show just on, on those three things alone. I, yes, I really enjoyed this WrestleMania. Like the, no doubt in my mind that it was a thumbs up show, you know? And in fact, I think cutting, like limiting this match to limiting the show to what, like seven matches and having, one, it made two, a big difference. Three. I think if we had had 14 matches, I, I think there would have been a lot of fatigue throughout this. And I think if you were, um, I, I think it would have been a lot tougher. I think it would have been a lot tougher if we were talking about like a, a six and a half hour show uh, clocking in at like 13, 14 matches. When we're strictly talking about in-ring content, I don't think there was anything bad. Well, okay. So one caveat, of course, being the the, the Usos versus Nakamura and Boogs. Which that, is almost an incomplete. It was yeah. like, you know, they was out of their control. I thought Corbin and, and McIntyre over-delivered what I expected. Mm-hmm. You got Logan Paul, who performed very well. Um, over, over for, for a celebrity match. I think no one was complaining about that. Then you have Becky yeah. and Belair, Rollins and Cody. Uh, you dropped the tag match. Charlotte and Ronda, I think they have a better match in them. But that was hardly, like perfectly satisfactory mm-hmm. and then you had the the main event which is going to be probably that and cody the biggest me- memories of this show years from now yeah i i thought pretty much everything over delivered except for maybe if you want to maybe complain about that uh ronda Char- charlotte match or uh, uh yeah maybe maybe that was either to me that was a there, there, there was rough elements to that match yeah that was my expectation level right but like everything else like on the show to me over delivered and i i, I can't I think this was a great WrestleMania. I, I, you know, absolutely. So, um, so let's go a whole nother one tomorrow. Well, that'll be the question. Can, can tomorrow now live up to tonight? Yeah. Is it going to be the, uh, yeah. On, did you notice on SmackDown that Pat McAfee, he just dropped WrestleMania and called Lesnar and Reigns, uh, the biggest match ever. It's not even the biggest WrestleMania match now. It's just like, well, why stop it there? We can just go all the way at this point. It's the go home show. Well, is it bigger than, uh, edge versus Randy Orton? That's the question. Oh, that's that's right. The uh, the most stupendous match. Uh, we have a few super chats that I want to get to, and thank you all, all you guys for sticking around. I'm I'm pretty sure we hit our record numbers for live viewers tonight. So thank you very much for everybody who's watching us at YouTube.com. But the first comes to us in terms of super chats from Jake from the Windy City, who said five dollars to say. To me, honestly, a night two isn't needed. The bar is set high tonight, and tomorrow sure has its hands full. Yeah, I don't you think wanna, they're gonna. Make, I don't think they're gonna announce that on Sunday. It's like, you know what? We're good. We're good. We're gonna. We're, we'll see it raw on on Monday. Do you? I mean, to, I mean, it's like just because tonight's show was you know well received. I mean, we'll, we'll see what they have to tomorrow night to uh, you know, like tomorrow. Um, 
yeah, they, they've got like a good show to follow. But at the same time, like Edge and AJ, I think people have very high expectations for that. Lesnar and Reigns has to be like that really has to deliver with, with this kind of a build. There's no way around that. Um, and then I, I guess, you know, the questions remain about like the time that the triple threat match gets for the tag match. Uh, McAfee and Austin Theory, uh, Knoxville and, and Sami Zayn, like those are. You know, matches. I think McAfee and Austin Theory. I think they're in a in a good position. And Knoxville and Zayn is going to come down to uh, how that match is structured. But I'm I'm not dreading tomorrow's show by any stretch. Uh, yeah, I'm not either. Um, I mean, I I think they'll they'll do a good job. Honestly, like AJ AJ and Edge is going to be good. I think Pat McAfee again will probably impress a whole lot of people. Even like Randy Orton and and Matt Riddle. Like if for a tag team belt that I don't care much about. I I think in ring you can depend on this crew to like definitely deliver. So um yeah man I'm I'm looking forward to it. Again I'm buzzed. So we go up next to Plethora who sends a $5 super chat who says do you go right to it when iron is hot or do you wait and build it for a SummerSlam? Um unfortunately I'm not sure what you are referring to Plethora. So if you are still in the chat room you can let us know. Do you have I have no idea. I, I mean, maybe maybe he's talking about Cody in terms of um like a like a title program or um I, I I'm sorry I I don't know what he's referring to. If you're still there, just let us know, Plethor, and we'll get yeah, to your we'll question. In. And then we go to David Rodriguez with the two dollars super chat who says, "Where do you think Cody ends up, Raw or SmackDown?" Uh, it sounds like Raw. Um, that's that seems to be where where he is earmarked for. Do Do you continue the program with Seth? I think. I, I think you could you could do another match between between them. You have the natural that you know Seth wasn't prepared, and you, you can just shoot an angle on Monday. You know he attacks Cody or something like that. I I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Like you're coming off an incredible match, so I don't think there's going to be complaints if they if they stretch this out and get another match out of them. If you're not in any rush with Cody, like you know he has lots of people to work with, like you could do another one with with Seth for the time being. All right, coming up next, we go to some phone calls. Of course, this is something we allow all of our double, double plus tier patrons at Post Wrestling Cafe to be able to take part in for our pay-per-view shows. And uh, if you are there, you can find the link in your emails. And first, I'm going to go to you, Chris, from London. So, Chris, what did you think of WrestleMania? Well, uh, just to say, a great pleasure to be speaking to you both. I've been a long-time listener back to the law about eight years ago. Um I'm really I'm normally watching and listening from London, but I'm in Seattle uh, with family, so opportunity to actually give you a call. I um, massively exceeded expectations. Um, the I think it's what you said um, previously, where um, we know what the production is going to be like. We've seen it all before, and you have that initial pizzazz, and you're like, okay, let's see what we've got. And then you get the first few matches, and it slows down, and then. You know, the whole AEW feel about, you know, you get used to a certain level of expectation of match and then you're just not getting that at all for the first few, you know, regardless of that. I've been to WrestleManias recently, um, you know, and been to those seven-hour events. I was so glad that it was a shorter event, but, man, the Becky Lynch-Bianca uh, Belair match was just immediately like, I could, should I say, AEW pay-per-view standard, no doubt about it. It was fantastic. The pacing of it was great. And from there on, the match after it as well, we knew, uh, you know, we were hoping for Cody to be treated with respect. 
and to get AW Cody and to get 20 matches at uh, 20 minutes against uh, against Seth Rollins uh, and they both just gave it certainly I would say that the Becky Lynch um, uh, Bianca Belair match was the match of the night for me uh, but everything after that I, I thought was perfectly acceptable Love the Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff at the end. There were a few minutes at the first minute of the match when they was doing a bit of stomping in the corner. I was like, oh, this could go one way or the other here. This could look a little bit tired. But I think then, like you say, bit of smoke and mirrors. Kevin Owens bounced like an absolute boss. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's funny you actually said about have you had seen like in recent times, like a really good back-to-back one-two. And my brother and I were at um, uh, the Orlando one five years ago and we got... AJ Styles and uh, Shaman Man followed by Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. And that was like match one and two of like 12. And I was really worried that, you know, they had these two matches like back to back. Are they going to now, is this going to now like kind of like cause a bit of a flagging that we've got a little bit too much in one go? But I think the seven matches, having them right in the middle of the event, I couldn't have hoped for more really. Uh, I really enjoyed the show all the way along. I was actually watching on Peacock, so... I, it would have ground me into the ground. I don't know what would have been worse, these constant adverts, all these promo videos that you were seeing in the international feed. Uh, I'm not sure what would have been better. But, yeah, I think we know what we're getting from now. But I just thought it was just a, a far exceeded expectations, um, you know. And, yeah, it was, it was just really great. Um, so, particularly also, I like, love, love your review as well. Um, you, you always do such a great job. I actually upgraded to Double Double just so that I could actually give you a call and uh, just wanted to say that, you know, you're, you're fantastic, uh, you know, coverage all all in and out. Uh, I just couldn't. You, you are my go-to constantly, you guys. And uh, like I say, just, just thank you for like years of fantastic output. And, uh, you know, I look forward to listening to so much more. Oh, thanks very much. That, that means a lot, thanks, dude. You can keep going, you know, keep praising us if you want. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, this is is normally the point when it's like, it's, uh, you know, 6.30 in the morning in London. And this is like when you're really flagging it. It's just completely impossible. So uh, I would say 5 p.m. Pacific start for WrestleMania. I'm all for that. Uh, You know, it's it's, it's, uh, completely like night and day compared to the UK's experience of pay-per-views. It's normally absolutely tragic like particularly like, you know five o'clock on a monday morning and you got to start thinking about going to work somehow it's a shocker so this is pretty good today i have to say yeah my my hat's off to all of our uk-based listeners because how you do it on a weekly basis much less a weekend like this i i i my hat's off to you because it's i i could not imagine watching all of this and it's starting at three or four in the morning some of these shows Thank you so much for the kind words and for the patronage, Chris from London. Let's go up next to Hansi. Hansi, welcome. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Well, I I want to say that. Well, I mean, special night. So I thought I showed my face. I I don't mean to scare some of your viewers, but um, uh, no, I I thought uh I thought this exceeded my expectations because listen, I've called in and I I've I've been calling mainly about AEW. I haven't been showing interest into WWE and the build. I I still remain the build is kind of ass, but like I gotta say that I enjoyed myself. I I I did think that the show would deliver. I just thought like just like as a guy who watches weekly, the build just wasn't there. But I gotta say, I, I can't complain about 
uh, the stuff that I saw. Like, I'm looking forward. Uh, I know Cody said in his interview that he's not going to do any pot shots at, like, AEW, and I understand that. But that doesn't mean – I mean, if you if any indication with Seth Rollins saying the welcome to the big leagues, I'm sure the program that he's going to have, all of them are going to mention. Like, I'm already naming – Orton's going to talk crap, Miz, uh, you know, Edge most likely, because you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of programs, and if this is the way that Cody's being presented, then I got no issue with it with the Austin stuff. Uh, you know, listen, I, I, I just thought it was going to be a stupid talk show segment. And, you know, but listen, I, I understand, like, the part of me that goes, like, it's, it's like, I wish that there was more that, like, the, the guys were built up better than I would have anticipated this. Even though Owens did, like, the best he could with what he was given and all that. I just didn't think the build was all there, but it exceeded my expectations, and I I, I just enjoyed uh, everything. Um, before I go, I'll just ask you guys a question. I don't know if you guys have heard the rumors that, like, uh, you know, Edge might be rumored to be having a new group, and if that's the case, because he's a part-timer, right? I think having a new group uh, would actually be really, really dope. Uh, Damian Priest has been, like, rumored to be a part of it. I just want to know your guys' thoughts. If you guys think you'll be coming to fruition, and who would you guys uh, uh, kind of want to uh, be a part of the group? If, if it comes to fruition. Thanks very much, Hansi, for the call. Uh, yeah, what do you think, John? Who would you put in a potential stable with Edge? Um, I, I would want some guys that you have plans for that are just missing that that ingredient of having a talker attached to them or just kind of lost in the shuffle um, that that you see some some promise in. Um, so a, a Damian Priest, sure, you, you could put him in there. He's, he's one that you... Like time is ticking on a Damian Priest who, I mean, when you look at where he was last year and to be back here, um, where he's not on the card, I think that's, that's unfortunate because he was somebody that I, I thought, you know, he, he did get hurt right after the, the zombie match, but what was, was he hurt in that match? No, it was Miz that got hurt in that match. I believe anyway, so, yes. He did miss some time match, last yeah. year, but nonetheless, it's, you know, didn't get to that, that level that I think many people saw him uh, getting to. So it, it wouldn't hurt to be attached there. And, um, the rest, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's ultimately, you know, whether it's a call up or whether it's people that are already on the existing main roster that maybe are just don't have much of a much going on direction wise, but you see that potential in. Yeah, he's working sort of like a like a corporate like a dark, you know, almost like a, a sinister minister almost type of vibe to him now with with his speaking. So I wonder like if they're looking for more like you know um, of that sort of character, and certainly Damien Priest would would fit in there. Um, but I mean, there are a lot, a lot of people on NXT, especially if they're getting called up, that I think could be a, a great part of a potential stable like that. I wonder if a Tommaso Ciampa, you know, that's might, what, that's might what work I out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was kind of like you're you're watching that that show today, and you're watching it, and it's like he is one where it's just man, the the success rate, it's it's not impossible, but it's going to be tough for him. It will be tough, yeah. But you know, there has been some at least proven track record with, with a few weeks of success, I would say. So we shall see. Uh, let's go up next for our calls to John. John, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you? Um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, listen, first of all, I wanted to just point out that um, I, I, I was looking at your streams tonight. I think you crested nine hundred live viewers. Um, I don't know what your record is, but uh, I was I was rooting for a thousand, but. Uh, didn't quite get there as far as I saw, but, uh, you know, love I you guys. I feel the highest we, we've had was probably for like an AEW pay-per-view, and that was probably like 500-something from my recollection. So, yeah, this definitely was probably the highest. Love to be a part of this. Um, you know, you I don't know how you guys do this week to week, um, especially this week. It's insane. 
Uh, thank you. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Well, uh, John, yeah, of course, of course. And, and uh, honestly, John, uh, thank you for doing the Supercard of Honor uh, uh, review today. Uh, I, I watched it this morning and then immediately went into your review and loved it. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm glad um, you watched, watched the video. So someone, some, someone watched it. So there, yeah, there you no. go. Will you be wa- watching the clusterfuck up next for 90 minutes so you can hear me and John Pine talk about that? Listen, it's 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 a it's a long weekend, but yeah, I'll get it. I'll get to everything eventually. <laughs> it was quite the the journey through the entire clusterfuck from Joey Janela spring break. So I had fun at least talking about it with John. Awesome, I love it. Um, uh, so you know, t- trying to get to tonight. Um, I pretty much, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to shit on d- WWE, but I pretty much only follow it through you guys now, um, mm-hmm. which I love. And um, like Hansy said, um, the main event is it, it, it was weird, like going into it. I was like, oh, it's just going to be an, uh, like a Raw or SmackDown main event interview segment. Honestly, when the bell rung, I had, uh, you know, goosebumps and I was like, oh, my God, they're doing this. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm such a jaded WWE fan. I'm, you know, not re- I'm more of an AEW fan overall these days. But when that bell rung, I was like, oh, my God, I took it took me back to being a, a teenager. And I was like, this is oh, and then yeah. the match, the match was great. Uh, it's it was so much fun. And so it's just fun to be like a fun having having a fun night with wrestling again. That's all I'll say. I, I'm totally with you. Like, I don't, I don't know if you get more like, you know, like we've, we've, we watch a lot of wrestling and I don't know if you, I wouldn't exactly say we're jaded, but like we've seen a lot and we have very high expectations, but I, I was right with you. Like I felt like a kid tonight watching Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling. Yes. So, yeah, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the call, John. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. We have one more super chat to go to from Felipe from Chile who sends 3,000 Chilean pesos. I don't Chilean. know what that means, but thank you. you I think you, we you can retire. Zeros, done. Done. After we're, you know, we're good. WrestleMania, that's all we needed. He says, any chance The Rock appears at the end of WrestleMania tomorrow? Greetings from Chile. Very fun show tonight. Um... I, I would say doubtful. Um... You can't... You can't dismiss it. Um... If... If, you know, his, his schedule, uh, allowed for it or something like that. Like, obviously that is the match they want to build to. I don't see them doing it this, this, this far out, uh, from it. I just think it's, it becomes really tough to, if, if you were to shoot that angle tomorrow and that does it kind of like telegraph your next year, like that makes it like exceedingly tough in a situation where you have one champion and essentially you're telling everyone that, Unless he like slips on a banana peel and loses his title over the next year, which I would not want to do if I'm doing Reigns and Rock next year, for instance. Um, so I guess I- I'm not expecting it tomorrow. But I mean, you you can't you can't say 100 percent no. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily expect. It. I mean, you know what? Like if they're looking for that big moment to go go off the show with, I mean, that would certainly you know create a lot of headlines. Um, but I'm personally probably going to say no too because yeah, it requires like a years long worth of commitment. And as the older, as the rock gets older and the more of a higher commodity he becomes for Hollywood, that's going to be that much tougher to commit to. Well, versus, that's, that's you know. the toughest part is that 
today he could say, yeah, I want to do WrestleMania next year. You cannot predict this guy's next 12 months. And if mm-hmm. something, you know, he just gets, you know, uh, a, a role he cannot turn down or a business opportunity that takes up so much of his time. Um, it's just, it's really hard to commit to something because it's not just the idea. Well, he can be free for one of those nights. It's the preparation for it. It's shooting the angles. It's and praying that he doesn't get injured. Of course, all, all of, of that, all yeah. of that. I think it's really tough to earmark that. And you, you hope, uh, you can, you pl- plan something long term, but to actually, I got it. it is tough. Next year, Roman Reigns, mystery opponent. Could okay. be, could be The Rock. Could be anybody else. Marco Stunt finally gets to WrestleMania. Could be. Uh, okay, we have some feedback, of course, from forum.proswrestling.com. This is available to all of our patrons who sign up. So you can access the feedback section for all of our shows, and you can leave some feedback if you want. Uh, so we'll go through as many as we can, John. You know, and you cut me off if if you think it's it's sure. time to stop. Um, do you want to start? All right, from the Yeti. Excellent wrestling marred by awful commentary and camera work. I was wondering if you guys think the show is still affected by COVID in a sense, and next year's will be higher attendance. Can't help but feel the fly in crowd from Europe must still be low. I usually know at least one person traveling over from mania from the UK, but there wasn't even a discussion about doing that this year from any of my friends. Um, hard to say, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not as though that, um, I, I, I feel like that is, Probably there's something to that, but I think to, I, I think you, you could also be overblowing that a, a lot as as a, as a reason. I I would say seventy seven thousand for two nights. Or sorry, I'm using the bullshit number. Uh, sixty sixty. See, it's working. 000. It's working. Yeah, sixty five thousand for two nights feels pretty healthy, right? Like like we know um fr- fr- from Brandon, like with the turnstile count, like eighty is what it caps out at. So I mean, would uh-huh. you have been able to put fifteen thousand more into the stadium both nights with like more travelers? I I don't. I'm not that confident that that would have made the difference. We go up next to Aaron from Brampton who asks or says, aside from the Charlotte Ronda match, that was a great first night to WrestleMania. It was a lot of fun. I couldn't help but smile for Cody. I think when you look back at everything in his career to this point, this is everything he ever wanted. He wanted to feel like a main event star on the biggest stage. Now, not only does he feel like one, he is one. I hope Cody gets the WWE run he's always wanted. Um, We shall see. I mean, he... I would say tonight he felt like a main inventor, but is he going to continue to be a main inventor in the weeks to come? Um, that, that, that's still a, a big what if. And, uh, do you think that this is like the narrative now he is, uh, I, I would say at least, you know, looking to change in the public eye is that it was time to leave AEW and he is after the main event WWE championship that his father never had. Do, do you, do you think that's, you know, in your opinion, um, authentic or, or or is it spin i i always saw cody as you know of all of all of the you, you know your your evp category at aew of the people that i think succeeding at the highest level in wwe was necessary i always viewed that with cody where i did not for the others like i don't think uh kenny omega will ever feel that wwe is something he has to do i don't think the young bucks view it as something that they have to do um you know, someone like a Chris Jericho, I know this is uh, separate from an EVP. Um, I, I think he is, I, I think that guy is right, right down to what are the opportunities and money. I would not dismiss the idea of Jericho 
ever going back to WWE for for one more, whether it be short run WrestleMania program. I can't dismiss that outright. Cody, I I always viewed as, as somebody that I think that that does carry weight. Um, I also feel that the Cody, it's the idea of him. Uh, going back to AEW one day is not mm-hmm. out of the question in, in the least. It's, uh, but you know, for the foreseeable future, for several years, it's going to be here in WWE. Uh, we go next to uh, Rob. I felt it was a thumbs in the middle show. Really slow start in the first three matches. The pace picked up with that terrific Bel Air entrance. She felt like a huge star. The Seth Rhodes match was my vote for $5,000 match of the night. Seth may just be one of, if not the best wrestler today. I was surprised by that Rousey finish and wondered if they changed it last minute when Vince decided to go with Austin last. It does build to a WrestleMania backlash uh, match. Last segment was fun, though it dragged a bit. I had no idea why Owens was arrested after losing to a man who was just drinking and driving in public, but that's entertainment. <laughs> Looking forward to tomorrow, and keep up the great work, guys. Uh, well, that's uh, it's Texas. Yeah, that is uh, – I mean, we don't know the laws in, in that particular county. Maybe um, – Who was – there was there was somebody, I think, on, on the forum that was there at, at, at the venue and said, uh, the only masks I see here are from the Mysterios, so I hope everyone's vaccinated. <laughs> oh boy there you go uh okay we got a manny from pacoima who says really fun show tonight it's always a blast when you don't take the product seriously and just enjoy the moment a crowd was happy to see cody back in wwe and he and seth had a great match bianca and becky also had a ma- great match with a well-deserved victory for bianca and the fact that bianca makes her own gear is just insane hopefully i'm able to get res- tickets for wrestlemania inglewood not hollywood wishing rick booze a speedy recovery yeah, yeah, Inglewood always getting slighted here. It's it'll either be L.A. or Hollywood uh, in the mentions. Uh, we continue on here and we go to um, uh, Click. Is there a name mm-hmm. here? This is a regular. Okay, uh, what a show! Show of the year for me. Cody's debut couldn't have gone much better. Very smart decision, holding off until tonight. Uh, that was match of the night for him. Bianca and Becky was a close second. Very happy to see Bianca get that big win. I loved Austin and Owens. Not a five-star classic, but it was what it needed to be. Charlotte and Ronda was good. Didn't love the finish. Miz and Paul against the Mysterios was much better than I expected. And tough break for Rick Boogs. Uh, when WWE is on, they're great. Too bad they're on 10% of the time. Great show, though. Nine out of 10. You know, I will say, like, when it comes to their uh, premium live events, more often than not, like, I'm pretty satisfied with the in-ring content. You know, like uh, we've heard, like this is you save the wrestling for the pay-per-views and the rest of the time you stick to script and the scripts, unfortunately, often are not that great. The story builds are not that great. But when it comes to bell to bell like this, this is an incredibly talented roster. Uh, we go up next to Muggin, who says Bianca Belair got a receipt for SummerSlam and then some. Her and Becky Lynch put on a fantastic match that more than made up for that Vegas fiasco. I almost had a stroke with that 26-second callback. It's my pick for match of the night. I mean, I, I don't know if Muggin, you're kind of like speaking in character, but, it, it, you know, you it, it required the fi- Vegas fiasco. I'm not saying it was the right move, but it played a part in the reaction tonight. So, um I mean, that's kind of my thought. But he says, it's been a poorly kept secret for months, but Cody has returned to the fold, keeping his AEW presentation intact. He and Rollins put on a damn good match. I was leery about Owens versus Austin because of the possibility of a clunker. Thankfully, the no-holds-barred stipulation did work in their favor. Okay, and our final one comes from Patrick, uh, who became a patron this week. Thank you, Patrick. And he says, I haven't watched Raw since before the Rumble and have not seen an episode of SmackDown in a few years, but always tune in for the big live events 
like Mania to keep up. Uh, hype level was not at all there for me, aside from Becky and Bianca and Seth versus his mystery opponent. Uh, coming out of the show, I thought Bianca and Becky was fantastic. That was his match of the night. And that Rollins and Rhodes managed to over-deliver in a genuinely great match. Owens and Austin also over-delivered in a very, very fitting main event. Flair and Rousey was disappointing. While Logan Paul did impress me, I can't say any of the other matches left me feeling excited for any lasting or leaving any lasting impression. Biggest negative was the constant commercial breaks in between every match and the fact that each break featured mainly the same small set of commercials, which really killed momentum for me. Yeah, we went over that. I mean, in terms of like a show viewing experience. And listen, if you're a viewer, um, that's that's going to be your viewing experience. And if it interrupts it, it's it's a it's a criticism, but it, it's there for a reason. And it's and it's obviously like that is going to be um, something that they are probably not going to adjust. Mm hmm. Uh, and, and that wraps it up. We're running pretty late, so I know there's somebody in the uh, room waiting for us right now. Please call back tomorrow when we do this all over again. Uh, but we're approaching two hours. This is a pretty long stream. But, I mean, again, I'm I'm not really tired. Like, I'm pretty energized. I don't know about you, John. Yeah, yeah. You want to come over? You want to watch more wrestling? No, uh, I, I don't <laughs> at, at this point. I would, I would like to get four hours of sleep tonight. That would be ideal. And then uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow. So uh, thank you to everybody uh, that joined us live or is listening after the fact. Uh, we appreciate it. And all of the... Uh, the, the coverage uh, that you've been checking out over the past couple of days from everyone on the site at postwrestling.com. Uh, do check out uh, the Up Next feed where Brain and Davey have uh, over an hour discussing the Stand and Deliver card from uh, Saturday that uh, featured uh, many, many uh, different, different aspects. A horrendous elbow drop off of a ladder by Grayson Waller. That was maybe the scariest Ooh. thing I watched today. Did you see his photo? He was in a sling at in the, oh, you know in the, I because I watched it right before WrestleMania. I didn't have time to like watch the aftermath, but man, yeah, it looked pretty rough. Yeah, he was in a sling uh, from like the I guess like the press box at WrestleMania. So I mean, it looked really bad. That that was just a nasty, nasty fall. But uh, if we have some time, maybe we'll chat a little bit about NXT uh, tomorrow. But uh, we are back tomorrow night, same time. We will have coverage on the site uh, from John Ceno throughout WrestleMania. And then we will be live minutes after WrestleMania concludes. And we will have a whole breakdown, your calls, forum, feedback, all of that great stuff. So that is going to wrap it up. And Way has the final word. Please subscribe to the channel. Like share our shows it really helps us out we're uh, constantly trying to grow and if you really happen to like us consider becoming a patron at postwrestlingcafe.com good night